The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. All right, you know what? Uh, we've been talking about it this week and it has you ticked off. You know, that Ontario man who falsely claimed that he'd been to Wuhan province while on board a Toronto to Jamaica WestJet flight. That flight had to return to the airport out of precaution delaying the holiday over, over, of over 200 people who were on board. The man in question was assessed upon landing back in Toronto, was deemed symptom-free. He was later charged with mischief, is due in court in March. When asked, he said he was hoping to create a viral video. I fly to Jamaica five times a year. It seemed to me like this was in poor taste in retrospect. What I did, I stood up. I said, can I have everybody's attention? I just came back from Hunan province. That was it. Why, why, did you, why would you say that? Well, I had my camera with me. I was looking to, to get a viral video. I was looking to get it up on all the social media platforms. I oh. figured it would invoke some type of reaction, not on the plane, more people seeing on social media going, wow, this kid's got some balls or this kid is crazy, whatever it is. I was looking to, to create a video, yes, that, was, that would go viral. He claims that he was an artist, whether it's music, whatever, but seemed to kind of be doing it to try to get some attention for uh, um, money-making. Given the prominence of social media and the fame that can come as a result of going viral, Dr. Josh Claypo isn't surprised by the story. He's a clinical professor of public health at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Doctor, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. Good oh, to be here. Yeah, nice to talk to you. So when, when you heard this story, and there's been actually a couple of them, there's been a couple of odd cases down in the States as well. What goes through your mind? Oh, well, you know, I, I think the first thing, when I just heard the headlines, and particularly as a psychologist, you know, you think, okay, there's some sort of psychiatric, major psychiatric problem. Uh, that's, that was the first thing. And then I saw the interview, and I saw the tape. And then you start thinking more like a public health person, and you realize that the whole notion of, quote, going viral, not only sort of feeds into our desire for fame, but if you look at things like Instagram social influencers, Instagram influencers, there is potential money behind it, just like Mm -hmm. this gentleman said. And so the grab and the pull to do this goes far beyond just those who are, if you will, disturbed. Hmm. Is there some narcissism involved with this? I, I, I <laughs> wouldn't use, I, I call it self-centeredness. Let's okay. try that. It's just because, <laughs> you know, particularly in this day and age, particularly here down in the States, the word <laughs> narcissist, um, you know, it, it, it carries a, a very psychiatric label. Um, but I would say this. This is a young man, um, I believe he was 27, 28 mm-hmm. years old, who was clearly thinking about himself and the short term and wasn't using what we call as executive functioning, his frontal lobes. He wasn't thinking about what might happen on the plane. So absolutely a self-centeredness um, and not, not thinking about the potential consequences. Mm-hmm. And that is a characteristic of both youth, number one, mm. um, and self-centeredness. It's both. How worried are you, um, given the fact that he said that he wanted to make money about it? There was a business side. I mean, when you look at that and, and how that could continue to grow, and we are seeing that, what is that going to mean moving forward? 
that's what I think concerns me most as a public health person. And the reason I say that is there are definitely public relations and marketing companies that are creating videos um, that are in hopes of going viral or at least getting lots of views for money-making purposes, either directly um, through things like YouTube or in this gentleman's case, and I don't know what kind of artist he was, indirectly mm-hmm. by grabbing attention and then selling whatever product you have. So I, the more that it becomes mainstream, the more you're going to have people like this trying it out themselves, not a professional PR firm trying it out themselves, because frankly, to get to, to shoot a video and throw it up on social media there's no barriers to entry, no. and that's the scary part. Well, and what else uh, kind of scares me as well is that when everyone, when, when people are trying to cut through the noise, when, when people yeah. are trying to get that attention, or a company, let's say, although I suspect it's going to be more people, that they're going to be more willing to be riskier, take greater risks. A- absolutely. Now, I will say this, because I think... We have a tendency to go in that direction. We think, okay, they're going to have to keep one-upping it. It's going to have to be more risky, more provocative, more repulsive. Yes. However, I will say that if you think about some of the videos that also go viral, they are cute. Yeah. They are heartwarming. They are reunions between father and son or, you know, a lion and a man who raises a cup. Yeah. So, it's not just that, but yes, I do agree with you, and I also get concerned about younger people. When I say younger, anywhere from about age 17 to 25, um, that is a time in which that frontal cortex is not fully developed, and executive functioning is not there. They don't think about consequences, and they tend to do these kinds of behaviors. So I think the best thing that could happen is the publicity that this guy got, not the publicity that he did it, but that fi- charges are going to be filed, yeah. that's the message that we need to send to people. You could be arrested. You could be hurt. You could die from your attempt to try to do this. And that's a strong message we have to send. You know what? It's, uh, I'm glad you brought up our, our younger, uh, younger kids because I had it written down here because I do worry about uh, kids and, and younger people and the impact of social media and what they're seeing on social media, what it is doing to them and to their brains. Has there been, I'm guessing that there has, but research into that, can you expand on that at all? Absolutely. I mean, and this is the thing we have to understand about when we say younger people. So let's just say teenage up into the mid-20s, mid to late 20s. Let's use that as younger people. Here's my concern. Number one, we know that the influence on them is, is driven so much by peers, and, and when I say peers, it doesn't have to be their friends, like, like individuals. So anything that they're seeing on social media of other young people doing exactly the same thing, that's the first thing. It has a huge influence. The second thing, as I was alluding to, is this risk-taking behavior. It is an absolute fact that the front part of their brain, it's the frontal lobe, it's the part that makes us think before we act, <laughs> is not fully developed. This is why you see people this age doing risky behaviors. And the more they have access to that to see on social media, the greater the chance that they will engage. What they need to also see, though, and this is important because we know that they can learn from modeling, is that they see that same person doing it get hurt, get arrested, um, have some negative consequences. 
then we know that it will have somewhat of an impact as compared to them being successful at it. Okay. Can you explain, for those who don't understand, I mean, when you talk about dopamine in the brain and mm-hmm. what seeing that little like or that little heart on whatever, those little dopamine drops, what does that do to the brain? Well, it, it absolutely, it's our pleasure center. And that's not unique to young no, people. No, no, no. That's a- absolutely. So it is, and I think the best way to think about it is, the, I love the word that you use, they're drops. These are not powerful dopaminergic dopaminergic. Um, surges. They're just little tiny drops. The problem is we become conditioned to wanting just that small amount. And then the problem is we become, become satiated on that or we habituate to it and we want more and more and more. And so much like an addict, we become addicted to that feeling. And when we don't have it, we don't always look elsewhere to get that same feeling. We don't look to our family and friends. We don't look to engaging in other activities that can produce the same dopamine. We just go back to, well, how come I didn't get it? How come I didn't get it? Mm. That's the scary part. You know what, Dr. Claypow, years back when I was working in television, I did a series on crystal meth when crystal meth was starting to be a huge problem uh, here in uh, in the Alberta area. And uh, the police officer that I interviewed about crystal meth explained that first hit, like your best, the best orgasm you've ever had in your yes. life. And that you're constantly, and he says, I'm going to be, I'm just going to put it out there, but that's what it's like. And then you're constantly chasing that and you can never get that feeling back again and 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 you're just yeah the chase the chase and and while not quite the same there are similarities um if if we want that feeling we want that feeling you keep putting stuff out you keep doing things maybe you go a little bit farther you push it a little bit more to chase it well and i will say this on the part of parents for for teens and younger and on the part of young adults you have to uh, remember that that feeling, that dopamine surge, comes from so many different places, not just social media. Yeah. So, so monitoring what our teens are doing, making sure if you're a young adult that you're getting the, that reinforcement from other places in your life is absolutely critical because otherwise you only come to depend on this. And that's, that's very important. The scary thing, though, is for every person who believes, hey, my video is going to go viral, and I'm going to make it, and I'm going to be the one successful. There's millions that don't, and, and we're going to see, unfortunately, more and more behavior like this gentleman, but the best thing that we could do is what was happened, which is significant consequences that says if you go this far, you're going to be punished. Before I let you go, what do you think, you know, society's going to look like 10 years from now, given everything that's going on with social media, the way that uh, we're, we're training ourselves uh, to, to get this pleasure from it? I, you know, I, I want to put faith in, in, in society. Um, we've come a long, long way. I will say this, that we do know, at least right now, and you've talked about 10 years, I do know that humans need... They need social interaction, they need physical interaction, they need to see, smell, taste, and hear and touch one another in order to get true reinforcement. And so what I hope is that that relying on that means that as much as we're going to see this stuff in social media, that other part of real human connection is not going to die off completely, 
and we're going to see the pendulum swing the other way. Let's that is so. my hope. Let's hope so. Dr. Josh Claypow uh, joining us this afternoon. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank okay, you. Okay, take care. Dr. Josh Claypow joining us this afternoon. He is a clinical psychologist. He is with the uh, School of, of Public Health, the University of Alabama at Birmingham.